Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter number 12 as we get into the message this morning. Luke chapter number 12. Luke chapter number 12. When you find your place there, go ahead and uh, we'll begin reading in verse number 21. Or 22, sorry, verse number 22. We'll start there. And Luke chapter number 12. The Bible says in verse number 22, And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, neither for the body what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you with taking thought can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And this morning as we um, dive into the message and as we um, um, go forward in this time, I'd like to preach a message entitled Overcoming Worry. Overcoming Worry. And so let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the ability to be able to sing, to praise you, and to have a great time uh, so far that we've had worshiping you, Lord. But Lord, I pray that you just be with us as we uh, dive into the message now. I pray, Lord, that you would just meet with us in a mighty and in a special way, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be in the midst of this place. Lord, all is vain unless the Holy Spirit, or of the, of, uh, all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. And so I pray that you'd please um, be able to work with us, meet with us, Lord, and, and that we would be able to receive what you'd have us to receive today, Lord, that will challenge us. And um, that as we learn more about you and what um, you would have us to, to implement in our lives, I pray that you just be with us. Be with me. Help me that I would get out of the way. Help me to be clear. And um, Lord, just use me. And um, Lord, just help us to have a great time. I ask you all these things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Well, straight away, very uh, plain this morning. Just kind of start with two words. Stop worrying. Stop worrying. Stop worrying. The Bible says in Psalms 46, God is our refuge and strength, very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. So the psalmist in, verse, in, in, uh, in, in Psalms 46, he's, he's saying, though the earth be removed and, and though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea, we will not fear. No matter what happens, no matter what's going on around me, no matter how bad things may look, we will not fear. And it's, it's because of that, what he, what he starts off with. His God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Don't worry. 
stop worrying. Stop, just stop. The Bible actually gives clear instructions regarding worry. Philippians 4, verse 6, the Bible says, be careful for nothing. That word careful is translated as anxious. But be careful, stop worrying. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so as we pray and give God our requests, and as things come up in our lives, we give that to God. There's a peace, the Bible says, that, that comes about us and keeps our hearts and minds to Christ Jesus. But we need to stop worrying. Stop worrying. You think about it. Stop worrying is, a, is, is translated into a phrase that, um, or, or the word worry, sorry, is translated into a phrase that you've probably heard a lot over the last few months. If you ever, have you heard in the last few months the, the phrase uncertain times? Uncertain times. How many of you have heard that in the last few months? Uncertain times. But you know, you think about that uncertain times, there's worry written all over that. Because it's saying in uncertain times, there's a time of worry because things aren't certain and you don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's really calling for a time to worry. But ladies and gentlemen, regardless of times, may I say that God does not want us to worry. He does not want us to worry. But we see that the world is, is, is portraying this, uncertain times. I, I, I see this, I've seen this so many times, browsing uh, social media, you see it. I even saw it on the television. I saw a, a Verizon commercial where the Verizon was like, we know, you know, during these uncertain times, it's hard to keep in contact with family members, so get Verizon. And I thought, okay. But it was uncertain times, they were just pushing it. But ladies and gentlemen, regardless of the uncertain time, all of the time, God wants us to stop worrying. He wants us to stop worrying. And this, this matter of worry, in the Bible, in our passage today, Jesus addresses this problem of worry. You see in verse number 22, he says, And he uh, said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought. Don't worry. Just take no thought. Don't worry. Just stop worrying. And so we're going to get into this because really uh, Jesus goes on to tell his disciples reasons why we shouldn't worry. Reasons not to worry. And we're going to get into that. But before that, let's try, to, let's try to figure out why we're even here in the first place. Let's get some background context going here. So go ahead and turn in the same chapter. Go ahead and turn to verse number 11. You'll understand that in verse number 11, Jesus is teaching. And he says in verse number 11, And when they bring unto you the synagogues and unto magistrates and powers, take ye no thought how or what thing ye shall answer or what ye shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same, in the same hour what ye ought to say. He's teaching the disciples a very important lesson of relying on the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. He says, I'm not always going to be here with you. He says, but it, when I leave, okay, re rely on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be able to help you. And so we see that teaching. And in the midst of that teaching, the Bible says in verse number 13 that he was interrupted. You look at it in verse number 13. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. He's interrupted in this teaching. This guy comes and he says, Jesus, speak to my brother. So I, I want us to look at, first of all, he says, Master. So there's a recognition of a higher authority, right? So recognition of a higher authority. But he says, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. So in studying this and just reading some commentary and just thinking, uh, trying to figure out what other men have, have kind of translated this into because it's, it's really kind of hard to, to understand just at face value what's going on here. And just trying to, trying to get some, some other feedback it led to the fact that this guy must have been a younger brother. Because in Jewish customs, when it came to the inheritance, okay, the older brother would get two-thirds of the inheritance and the younger brother would get one. Okay? 
And so here, this, this, this guy, he's saying, speak to my brother. He didn't say, speak with my brother. <laughs> I want to point that out. He said, speak to my brother. Speak to my brother that he might divide the inheritance with me. Now, you just know the fact that this guy most likely is, I don't want one third. I want, I want two. I, I, want, I want equal. I want just as much as him. Divide the inheritance. He says, speak to my brother. Tell him to the, divide the inheritance. I don't like that. It reminds me of, of uh, my, uh, my teen days when I, I, I was 16 years old and my brother, I think he was nine at the time, and I think I was, I was playing a video game. I was playing, uh, I think, either Madden or, or some NBA. And he came up to me, nine years old, he came up to me and said, uh, uh, let me play. I said, no, I'm not letting you play. You're nine years old. I don't want you to play with me. Go away. Right? And I just let me play. I'm like, no, I'm not letting you play. And he goes to my dad and he says, dad, tell him to let me play. And I thought, ha, you're not playing. This is mine. My dad, Trevon, let him play. And I thought, oh, come on. Right? It was like, hey, make him, make him give me that inheritance. Make him divide it. This is like a little brother trying to make his older brother do it. He goes to the higher authority. He says, master. Notice Jesus' response, classic Christ-like response in verse number 14. And he said unto him, man, who made me a judge or divider over you? In other words, what Jesus is saying is, why are you trying to bring me in this? What are you trying to bring me in this for? Well, why, why are you trying to get me in this? You see, Jesus' response, and as Jesus responds, he says, why are you trying to get me in this? But notice in verse number 15, he, the Bible says, and he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. So Jesus goes on and he says, here, he says, everyone watching or, or everyone here, let me teach you something, beware of covetousness. Could you imagine that guy? He comes and he says, hey, Jesus, help me with something. And Jesus says, hold on. Hey, hey, everyone, listen up. All right. Beware of covetousness. Can you imagine how that guy felt? But Jesus understood, hey, there's a root problem here. Because, the, because of covetousness, you and your brother, you don't understand the root problem of what's going on inside of you. If you were um, um, thinking on the things of, that, that life has to bring, he goes on um, in verse number 15 to talk about it. He says, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of things which he possesses. He said, if you understood that your life does not consist on what you can get, this problem would not exist. Your, your, your covetous, your, this covetousness, it would not exist. If you understood that, it would not exist. Your, this, your, this wouldn't be a problem. And so he goes on, he says, beware of covetousness. Trying to, trying to, not trying to help this guy with the problem, but trying to get to the root problem, and that's covetousness. So he goes on, and just like Christ always does, he gives, he gives a warning. He says, beware of covetousness, and he breaks off into a parable. Now, I love parables. Heavenly, uh, or, or earthly sorry, uh, story, sorry, and uh, with, a heavenly, with a heavenly meaning, right? and translate to something that we can um, relate to, but also with a heavenly meaning. So he breaks off in verse number 16, and the Bible says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a rich man brought forth plentifully. So Jesus talking about this rich man now, after talking about covetousness, he, he brings the illustration of this rich man that was covetous. And because of the covetousness that was in this man's heart, it led him to, to some things that he just shouldn't have been involved in. You'll see in verse number 17, first of all, that his purpose was not from God. You see that in verse number 17, because of this covetousness, he thought, the Bible says, and he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? When you're covetous, and that word covetousness, when you think about it, is translated to be eagerly or wrongfully desirous of wealth or possessions. If your life consists of what you can get, what you do will follow suit. Okay, so if, you're, if, if covetousness is, in, if, is embedded in your heart, everything that you do 
will be uh, derived from covetousness. Because if you're thinking that my life consists of everything that I get, then everything about your life will be about getting something. And so with this guy, because of covetousness, he thought within himself, what shall I do? His purpose was not from God. He didn't thought, well, what, what does God want me to do, but what shall I do? His purpose was not from God. You'll see in verse number 18 that his trust was not in God. Look at verse number 18, and he said, this will I do. I will, pull, I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. His purpose was, was not from God, and his trust was not in God. What a, what a sad uh, uh, fact to know. That's where covetousness had led him. And in verse number 19, you'll see that his sufficiency was not of God. The ability or, or really the, the, the fact of trying to have enough was not of God. In verse number 19 it says, And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. He says, so I will say to my soul, I will say when I've had enough. His sufficiency was not of God. It's covetousness. It led him to, to a wrongful purpose, wrong trust, wrong sufficiency. And then in verse number 20 and verse number 21, the Bible says, But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? Notice that last phrase, which thou hast provided. Those things that you've worked so hard for because of covetousness, because of always wanting to get, those things that you have worked so hard for, whose are they going to be? Your soul is going to be required of you. Whose are they, are they going to be? And so talking about that in verse number 20, he goes on in verse number 20 and to, to kind of just uh, bring this to a close. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So you see that his riches were not with God. His riches were not with God. Because really uh, everything that he worked so hard for, when at the end of his life, when eternity begins, he's going to go and everything that he spent his entire life working for is going to stay on this earth. And so God is trying to bring this fact to the, the eyes of these people. And he says, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And because of this illustration, we jump into our text in verse number 22. Where it says, and he said unto his disciples, therefore I say unto you, because of that. Thinking about that, think, thinking about the fact that you should not be covetousness and being aware of it. Take no thought. Don't worry. He comes to this fact of worry and he says, don't worry. Because he knows that when you worry, worry leads to covetousness. You think about it. Worrying leads to covetousness. And he says, don't worry. He says, take no thought. For your life, what ye shall eat, neither for the body, what ye shall put on. And so we see uh, um, the illustration of covetousness. And then we get into our text. And he says, don't worry. And so as we think about this, this matter of worry, I have to ask. I have to. Are you worried this morning? Are you worried this morning? Are you? No doubt you can probably think I have good reason to be worried. Ladies and gentlemen, no matter what your reason that you might think, God does not want you to worry. God does not call you to live a life of worry. He doesn't. God does not want you to worry. We see the call to stop worrying in verse number 22. Is take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for the body what you shall put on. In verse number 23, he goes on, he, he talks about what life is not like, and kind of giving a, an illustration of the meaning of life. He's talking about this twice now, but he says, the life is, is more than meat, and, and, and the body is more than raiment. 
So life does not consist of, of always trying to figure out where's my meal going to come from. Life does not consist of, of, of trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to be clothed? Always worrying. He says, that, stop worrying. Just stop worrying. So he, he gives that, and then he gives an example of faith. And so he, he gives us three things that, that show that we ought to trust in God. Because when we're, when we're worrying, we're not trusting in God. And so he says, here, let me give you three things that trust in God, that, does, that don't worry. He says, consider the ravens. He says, consider, consider the ravens. For they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? He says, so now think, let's think about the ravens. He says, they don't sow anything that they can reap later. You think about it. We go to, go to work. We, we work, we have a job, and we, we, uh, we, we work so that we can get paid, right? And when we get paid, that allows us to be able to kind of provide for something. He says, well, you think about the ravens. They don't, they don't sow anything that they can reap later. He also says in that verse, he says, neither have storehouse nor barn. They don't have a fridge or a pantry. They don't. And then he goes on and he says, and God feedeth them. Could you imagine living the life of a raven? Could you imagine um, um, living your life on a day-to-day -day basis? Because really, that's what he's saying here. Their necessities on a day-to-day -day basis are met. Could you imagine going day-to-day, -day, not knowing where you, what you're going to eat, not knowing um, 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 how you're going to be clothed? We have people, I, I, I understand, in the world that, that do actually go through that struggle. And we're so comfortable. Could you imagine doing that? Their necessities were on a day-to-day -day basis. He says, if God can provide for them on a day-to-day -day basis, how much more do you think that he can provide for you? So he's bringing them to this, this understanding. They need to stop worrying. There's nothing to worry about. And he says in verse number 26, If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Or, and here I, 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 jumped, I jumped the verse again. Verse number 25. And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? So let's kind of break this down. The word stature, you go ahead and you study that out. We think of stature as build or, or our body or, or, or like our stature, right? But that word stature actually talks about an age or length of life. And the word cubit after it is translated as measure. So really, what he's asking is, what, which of you, okay, that take a thought, who of you that worrying, and by worrying, can add to your life? Obviously, we know no one can do that, right? He says, which of you can add to your life? Which really suggesting, as he says um, in verse number 26, if ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Which he's really under, uh, 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 stating is that life is too short to be worrying. You can't add to your life by worrying. Life is too short to worry. You only have one life. You shouldn't waste it worrying. And so he, he talks about that, and then he says, consider the lilies. So he talks about the ravens, and then he says, consider the lilies. He says, you think about the lilies in verse number 27, how they grow, they toil not, they spin not, and yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. He says, you think about the lilies, they don't work hard. They toil not. They spin not. They don't work hard but yet they are still provided for. Ladies and gentlemen, if they can be taken care of, how much more can we be taken care of? Amen. He says, stop worrying. We understand that uncertain times, and we think that this gives us reason to worry about what's going to happen in these uncertain times and how we should live. 
But ladies and gentlemen, stop worrying. Stop worrying. We have this notion that when, when things uh, get bad, that we need to come up with this big plan that will set us up for success, that will give us a higher chance of being taken care of, right? But Jesus says, stop worrying. And in verse uh, number 28, he, sa he says, If God then, or if then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field, tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? God can take care of ravens, lilies, and grass. Why are we worried? If he can take care of ravens, lilies, and grass, grass, why are we worried? Jesus points out the problem in all of this, and he says at the end of verse number 28, O ye of little faith. Because that's really what it comes down to, isn't it? Our faith. Do we trust in God, and do we have enough faith in him? That's really what it boils down to. He says, O ye of little faith, and he goes on in verse number 29, he says, And seek ye not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of a doubtful mind. Stop worrying. Understand that God, God knows what he's doing. Okay, stop worrying. I know that things, times are uncertain. Stop worrying. And Jesus, in the next few verses, starting in, in verse number 30, is going to give us reasons to stop worrying. Give us really um, some aspects of God that as we look at these aspects of God, we will understand why we should stop worrying. And they're very refreshing um, aspects to look at about God. And so if you're taking notes, three aspects of God that will stop you from worrying this morning. Three aspects of God that will stop you from worrying. What will stop you is knowing or understanding the knowledge of God. Understanding the knowledge of God. Verse number 30, the Bible says, For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. That first part of the verse, For all these things do the nations the, uh, 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 of the world seek after. He says, You know who worries? Worldly people. People of the world. They worry. God's children. What does he say? And your Father. He says, God's children. They, they, don't, they don't worry. The, the, the nations of the world, they worry. It says, and your father knoweth that ye have needs of these things. God knows what we need, ladies and gentlemen. He knows what we need and he understands what we need. And if we understand that he understands what we need, that will help us stop worrying. Really, It really will. God knows what we need and God knows when we need it. Here's why. Because God is not ignorant. He's not ignorant. We think to ourselves, God, this thing is happening to me. God, are you there? Do you understand that this is happening to me? But God is not ignorant. He's not ignorant. The Bible says, for if your heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. He knows all things. We understand the knowledge of God. It will help us to trust him a little bit better. He's not ignorant. The Bible says in Psalm 147, verse 5, Great is our Lord and of great power, his understanding is infinite. The knowledge of God. We, when we grasp that, it will stop us from worrying. It really will. God knows what we need and he knows when we need it. God is not ignorant and then God is never late. He's never late. We think sometimes, oh, well, God, I, I need this, I need it now. And we, 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 we don't say it, but in our actions, it's, it's almost like we don't know that God knows time. Ladies and gentlemen, God knows time. He's never late. Bible says in 2 Peter verse three, uh, or chapter 3, verse 8, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, 
that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. God knows time. He knows time. And so when we understand that, that we understand the knowledge of God, it'll help us to stop worrying. When we understand that God knows in uncertain times that the times are uncertain, right? It'll stop us from worrying in those uncertain times. So if you're worried, rest in the fact and understand that God knows. God, God has knowledge. Rest in the knowledge of God. And we keep going in verse number 31. As you understand the knowledge of God, but we'll see here that we need to understand the provision of God. Verse number 31, the Bible says, But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. God will provide. He will. God knows what we need, and He will provide those needs. I, uh, I learned this in my teenage years. Um, and I don't know if I've, I've told the story in the church, but I, told this, I, I think I've told it to the teens. I don't know if I've told it in church setting, but I learned this at an early, at an early age. It was about really in my... Uh, my junior year or senior year of high school, that um, I I, um, I went to this Christian school. Okay, just kind of give you some background. I went to this Christian school. It's kind of like VBA here. Uh, it's just kind of a, a little bit bigger. Um, and we'd have chapel Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Okay, and um, at this Christian school, um, at, in chapel, we would have an offering at the end. Now here's something to note. My pastor wanted to um, to to get the students to know that hey. Um, not just adults give, but, but God, you need to know how to give to as a student. And I was very thankful for that. Well, it was around this time that um, since I'm, I'm 16, I'm 17, my mom, she, she said, okay, well, you're going you're gonna to work for your lunch money. So she'd have me do stuff around the house, right? And so she really, she, she just tried to get me to understand what it's like to work for something. And so she would, what she would do is every month at the beginning of the month, she would give me my lunch money for, uh, or just the money that I, I work for, so to say. She would give me that for the month, at the beginning of the month. And so she was trying to teach me how to rightly divide my money for the month. That way I wouldn't just like burst it all at the beginning of the month, but that I rightly know how to divide it. And, and, and for the most part, I, I understood that. Because she wanted to show me that, hey, if you burst through this money at the beginning of the month, you will suffer for the rest of the month. I will not give you any more money. She was serious about that. Well, this, this particular month, on this particular day, I, I'd, I'd done pretty well. I think it was like the 29th or the 30th or something like that. I'd done pretty well for myself. I'd, I'd, I'd gotten it down. I'd divided. I'd, I said, okay, this is how much I need. And as the offering was taking place, two rows in front of me, I'm thinking to myself, should I give? Holy Spirit took over and it says, yes, you should give, but give it all. Amen. And I thought to myself, whoa, 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 whoa. And so I'm kind of leaning back and just, just kind of just chilling, minding my, mind my own business. And when that thought hit me, when the Holy Spirit began to worry, I just kind of sit up and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I just kind of prayed, wait, God, God, is this you? Like, are you really saying give, give all? Holy Spirit just confirming, give all. I thought to myself, oh, now this is a problem because number one, I'm not going to have any lunch, but then number two, I catch the bus home. I need my money to catch the bus home. And I thought, well, I, at this point, I'd heard enough chapel messages. I, 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 I'd recently joined the church. I'd heard messages that God provides. And when the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, you do it. I'd, I'd know that. That was head knowledge for me, but I said, well, this is my chance to, to kind of to see if I really understand that. 
So I said, okay, God, you want me to give all? I, I'll give all. So I, I reached in my pocket, I got that money, and I went to put it in an offering bag, and I remembered that, that, that verse, God loveth a cheerful giver. And so I thought, okay, I don't want to give this grudgingly, so I started clapping, and I'm like, okay, yeah, good, all right? And you know, God taught me something very, very important that day. After that chapel service was over, one of my teachers came as we were leaving, came and he said, hey, your stepdad is outside. I thought, my stepdad, what's he doing here? I walked outside and my stepdad, he said, hey, your mom forgot to give you your lunch money for the month. Here it is. I had lunch money for the next month. He said, here it is. Now I have to tell you, for the rest of that day, I was in shock. I had never experienced that before. God said, hey, give. And rather than, don't worry about it. At a time in my life, I had known I shouldn't worry about it. I, I should just trust God and the Holy Spirit. I said, okay. I gave that. And a few moments later, God says, here, abundantly. And I was in shock. I went on that, that night to kind of tell it to the church. I told anyone that would believe me, anyone who would understand, right? But from then, at an early age, God um, um, began to work in my heart about the fact that I should not worry but trust in his provision. And I've gone on in, co in college especially. I think that was really the stepping stone that allowed me to be able to, to, to really um, trust in the provision of God in college. God provides, ladies and gentlemen. He provides. God will provide. And here's when he'll provide. I'll provide when we seek his will. The beginning of that verse, in, uh, in verse number 31, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God, his will, his purposes, everything that has to do um, with the glory being to God, okay? God will provide when we seek his will. The Bible says in Philippians 4, verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He'll supply all your need. Bible says in Psalm uh, uh, 37, verse 4, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. It took me a while to figure out that verse. I used, to th I used to think, well, if I delight myself in God, he's going to give me whatever I want. But really, as we get close to God, and as we uh, spend time with him, nearness becomes likeness, and our desires becomes in line with his desires. God provides really the desires of thine heart, which is essentially the desires that will fulfill the will that he has for you. He'll give thee the desires of thine heart when we seek his will. He'll also provide when we let go of ours. He'll provide when we let go of our will. The Bible says in Colossians 3 verse 2, Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. And in Matthew, uh, Matthew 6, verse 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. God will provide when we seek his will and when we let go of ours. And so understanding that in uncertain times, understanding that God knows what's going on and God will provide, why would we worry? Why would we? Understanding that he knows what's going on and he will provide, why would we even have to worry? And then there's one more thing the Lord Jesus Christ points out about God. 
Verse number 32. This one's really refreshing when you really think about it. The Bible says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God understands what we need. He will provide what we need, but understand that God delights in doing it. When we understand the knowledge of God and we understand uh, the provision of God, may we also understand the delight of God. The delight of God. God delights in helping us. That will help us a great deal because we'll understand that God knows what's going on. He will help us and when He do it, He won't do it grudgingly. He won't do it because He feels He has to. He will do it because He wants to. He will delight in doing that. Doesn't that refresh you in thinking that God will take care of you? He delights in doing it. Uh, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure. It is his good pleasure. God doesn't grudgingly help us. He, we understand, when we understand the delight of God, we'll understand that he, he delights in doing it because he's our father. He's our, he's our father. Like as a, a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Now God is our creator, but if you're saved in here today, God's your father. God is your father. Look at what he, really look at, at, at that verse in verse number 32. Because when you realize every time that Jesus mentions God the father, he says, my father. In this verse, he says, your father. In this verse, he says, your father. Your father. God, God will take care of you and he will delight in doing it because he's your father. Because he loves his children. He loves his children. We know that God loves us. God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. We love him because he first loved us. For God so loved the world, God loves us. And because he loves us, because he's our father, he delights in doing these things, in providing for us. Doesn't, doesn't, that, doesn't that lift a, a little bit of a burden off of you? Doesn't that stop you from worrying? Refreshing. The reasons why we shouldn't worry. Understanding the knowledge of God. Understanding the provision of God. And understanding the delight of God. And so Jesus, as he brings us to a close, he says in verse number 33, Sell that ye have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old. A treasure in the heavens that faileth not. Where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. I tried to have, the, I really had to do a hard time trying to figure out what this meant. But you conclude with understanding that when we understand that God knows what we need, God knows um, um, what we need and he'll provide it and he delights in providing it. When we understand those aspects of God, you know what it'll lead us to? Generosity. It'll lead us to generosity. You think about it. It'll stop us and say, okay, well, I'm saving for a rainy day. Save for it'll lead us to generosity. In verse number 33, to sell that ye have and give alms, provide yourselves bags which wax not all the treasure in heavens that faileth not. It'll lead us to generosity when we realize that we don't have to do this thing by ourselves. It'll lead us to generosity. And mainly because of the fact that verse number 34, he says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so as we think about um, the treasures of, hell, of heaven, it'll lead us to generosity. Not about things on this earth, but leading us to generosity. May we not labor to be rich, basically. This is a guy um, in my old church. He, uh, I would never call him rich. 
but he could have been rich if he wanted to, but I'd never call him rich because he wasn't rich. He was a guy that uh, owned a bug company. He'd go in and, and fumigate and kind of kind of get your bugs out of your home. He was the owner of that company. He made good money, but he wasn't rich because whenever he got it, he, he, he took aside what he needed that would help him fulfill the will of God, and he just gave it away. Gave it away. He could have, if he wanted to say, okay, well, this is how much I have left over, save that in the bank account and put millions in his account. I'm sure he could have. He didn't have to because he wasn't worrying about earthly treasure. He was worrying about heavenly treasure. His purpose, his purpose was, God, what is going to help me to fulfill your will? And if I have enough, if my sufficiency is in you, if I have enough, then everything else that I make, I don't need it. Let me just give it away. Let me give it to higher purposes. Let me just offer this. Stop worrying, ladies and gentlemen, and let's start trusting. Let's stop worrying and let's start trusting. It's uncertain times. I understand that. Uncertain times. It's been uncertain times for five months now. But ladies and gentlemen, God does not want us to worry no matter the times. No matter the times, he wants us to trust him. He wants us to lay up um, for ourselves treasures in heaven. I got to thinking about that. If I went home today, I walked into my apartment, I said, all right, everything that will not help me fulfill the will of God needs to go. Could you imagine that? Could you, go, could you imagine going home today and saying, stepping in your house and saying, everything that will not help me fulfill the will of God, it needs to go. How big would our garage sale be? And I, I don't have to say how, how, if we will have a garage sale. I, I, I know. We all, we all in here can, can, uh, can agree to that. How big will our garage sale be? Stop worrying and let's start trusting. Understand the knowledge of God. Understand that he knows what's going on. Understand um, the pleasure of, or, or, or the provision of God, sorry. Understand that he knows uh, what's going on and he wants to help you. And while helping you, understand the delight of God, that he will delight in helping you. Isn't that refreshing? That's good. Ladies and gentlemen, let's stop worrying and start trusting. Let's overcome worry this morning.